We are a community of grace and love. This is very important, and I like what Pastor Tabo was saying this morning, that we need to be a, a loving church. Uh, in fact, there is a lot of research that have gone on, and they say that 80% of people stay in a church, not so much because of the good preaching, but because of love. Amen. That's why you find that there are some churches, you just wonder, why are people going there? There is no word there, there is no life, but there is love. Amen. And love will keep people together. Yes. And I, I pray that we truly be a church of love in the name of Jesus. Amen. And because our vision is to reveal the simplicity and the power of the gospel truth for, for, your, for our daily use. I, I keep on saying this until you get it. Yeah. Amen. And, and my prayer is that we truly get a revelation of the simplicity and the power of the gospel. Amen. And not only to be, uh, to be so good or eloquent in explaining our vision, but we need to be walking it. We need to be living it in our everyday life. Not only as individuals, but as family. We want to see the gospel truth alive in our families, alive in our marriages, alive in our everyday walk in the name of Jesus. And so the key scripture that I have today is very interesting. It is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved of, to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's so important because if we are not able to rightly divide the word of truth, we will not be able to get the power that is in our vision, that is in the gospel. And so there are a couple of things that I just want to highlight here. The first one is saying, be diligent. We want to be a church that has got diligent people. Yeah. But our diligence, it is in understanding the word of God. Yeah. In other words, you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Yeah. Even young people here, students here, we don't want you to be coming to church because this is the church where my mother and father go yeah. to. Amen. You need to know why you come to church and you need to know why you believe what you believe because it is in believing that you begin to enjoy the power of God. You begin to manifest the power that is in the word of God yeah. in Jesus name. It's also interesting that he talks about us being workers who do not need to be ashamed. In other words, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you somebody who don't want you don't want to introduce yourself as a, as a, as a Christian? You don't want to introduce yourself to the people as someone who loves God because it's, it looks unfashionable. But I believe that when you really get to know the simplicity and the power of the gospel truth, you will not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the thing, is the in thing because it never gets out of fashion. And then it also talks of rightly dividing the word of truth. Now I've got a question for you. Can truth be wrongly divided? If it is truth, can it be wrongly divided? Yes, of course, it can be. Otherwise, Paul would not be telling Timothy that. Truth can be wrongly divided because if you give me the wrong truth, it might be true, but it doesn't apply to me, so you are not correctly dividing it. Correctly dividing the word is giving the truth that applies to teach, I give it to him. The truth that applies to him, I give it to him. The truth that applies to her, if I give it to him, it is still the truth, but I am not correctly handling it. Yeah. I'm not correctly dividing it. So it's very important that we be able to rightly divide the word of truth. 
Because a lot of the problems that we have in our everyday life is because we are not rightly dividing the word. In other words, how are you reading the Bible? So today I'm going to talk about how to read the Bible. Do you read the Bible correctly? I know some of you, you may still be very far. Where you just open your book in the morning, you just open, close your eyes and you open. Wherever, I, wherever I, the page that comes up and then you point your finger and then you say, this is my scripture for the day. No, we can do better than that. Amen. So I'm going to show you how to read the word of God, how to rightly divide the word of truth. You may feel like, oh, but I don't like to hear this today. This is what we need because if our foundation is solid, if our understanding of the word is solid, we'll be able to get life out of it. We'll be able to, to run and not be weary in the name of Jesus because the word now becomes your encouragement. The word now becomes your source of hope. The word now becomes your vision and you'll understand what is going on in your life and you'll be able to stand with God even in difficult times. Amen. We don't want people that are on fire simply because they are close to their church. If you are transferred to, to, to Cape Town or you go to the UK or you go elsewhere, you fall flat. Why? Because you've been overly dependent on the church. You've been overly dependent on the, on the friends around you. We need to depend on the word of God. We need to depend on Jesus and Jesus alone. Because he is the one who will walk you through even in difficult times. Even when you're in school and people are, bull some, are bullying you or they are mocking you and they're doing whatever. How can you stand that situation? You are able to stand that situation when your trust is in the Lord. When you know who you believe and you know why you believe what you believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so there are seven things that we need to know on how to read the word of God. Don't worry about remembering them all. As you keep coming, you'll get to know them and you begin to, it will just become part of life. The first one really is uh, context. When we are reading the word of God, we need to read the word of God in context. In other words, you need to understand what is being said. What's the story around this word, around this scripture? Because if you don't know what's the story, it can be difficult. It can be difficult for you to understand. So we need to understand the context. You need to know what is he talking about? I'll give you an example. Yeah, I've got Tichi sitting here. And if I come and I hold him like that, you are seeing it and you know why I am holding him like that. But somebody who just hears this message and say, oh, Pastor Kuzi was holding teach very intimately. <laughs> you take it out of context, eh? You can build a story out of it. But if you understood that I was giving an example as an illustration, the word intimate does not hold as much meaning as somebody who just hears it like that. And that's true with the word of God. A lot of people are picking scriptures out of the context and then they just run with it in the name of Jesus. And I'll be showing you. The second one is we need to interpret scripture with scripture. Yes. These days we've got a lot of people that are full of revelation. They say, well, this is my revelation from the Lord. Mm. Or oh, this is what the Lord is saying. This is... But is it supported with scripture? If it is not supported with scripture, you need to throw it out of the window. Hallelujah. Because God will always talk about what he has said. Yes. 
He said the Holy Spirit will remind you. Yeah. Hallelujah. So this revelation has got to be a reminder of what God has already spoken to us. Yeah. It can be something that is off the wall. Amen. Amen. The second thing is, this is very important. Don't tell scripture what to say. Yeah. Listen to what the scripture is saying. Yes. Because many people we go into the Bible and we are trying to prove what we want. Mm. <laughs> we are trying to prove that our church is right. We want to prove that our doctrine is right. We want to prove that yes, that revelation works. No, listen to what the scripture is saying. Don't tell the scripture what to say. Because when you listen to what the scripture is saying, then you hear God. Even if he doesn't agree with what your pastor says, you better believe the word of God more than believe your pastor. You better trust the word of God more than you trust your church. Because your church did not die for you. Your pastor did not die for you. But Jesus died for you. He knows where you are coming from. He knows where you are. And he knows where you are going. And so you need to understand that scripture is giving us direction. In other words, be teachable. Be teachable as you read the word of God. Don't come in with all your, all your blingers in and, and, and you're ready to fight. No. It is the word of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. The fourth one is doctrine. What I simply mean by doctrine is, don't build a doctrine around one scripture. Because if you're wrong, then you're wrong for real. Hallelujah. You need to find at least two or three or four, even five, six, seven scriptures that agree with this line of thought. Then you pick it as your doctrine. Yeah. A very, a, two classic ones that uh, the church still struggle with, and I don't know why. The number one is that women should be quiet in church. <laughs> and we have people that have built doctrines around that, yet they have not looked at the context. They have not interpreted scripture with scripture. They have not even understood what the scripture is saying to them. And it's just one scripture. Mm -hmm. Give me two or three scriptures. That will help you. Then, then I'll say, oh yes. Because then, how do you understand now when, 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 when Jesus says there's neither male nor female? Mm -hmm. So you now need to explain that before you run with this doctrine you've picked up. Yes. There's also this other one that, hey, Paul said to Timothy, you know, drink a little wine. So, you know, you have to drink. What other scripture do you have? Okay, I hear that. But give me another scripture. And then give me another scripture. Then we build a doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It is very important. The fifth one is symbolism. What I mean by symbolism is, the Bible is full of pictures. Like it says, Jesus is the Lamb of God. And then the dove is the Holy Spirit. And then, and, and so on and so on. So if you take Jesus, the Lamb, to represent Jesus... Don't change the lamp somewhere and it now represents something else. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You need to stick to the same symbols. That will help us. And then audience, know who to, to who that message was written to first. Yeah. If it was the Corinthians, you need to understand what was, this, what was going on there. Yeah. And then you can get the message. But if you just pick it from the Corinthians, then you pick it from the Ephesians, then you pick it from all over the place, and you just get confused. As a matter of fact, concerning women not preaching, it was to who? To the Corinthians. Because there were issues there. 
People were being converted from paganism where women were dominating. And because women were dominating in this pagan life, and they now come to, to church, Paul is saying, let's demonstrate a difference here. Yeah. We don't want people to think that ah, this is just another pagan sect in Jesus' name. And then we need to factor in the cross. And so the two that I've highlighted in yellow, interpret scripture with scripture, factor in the cross is what I am going to be focusing on right now. Because today's message is stop frustrating the blessing. Yeah. Stop frustrating your blessing. We have many Christians that are frustrating their blessing. We need to stop frustrating the blessing. Because maybe half of us, if not all of us here are frustrated with life. You are, not, you are not happy with this, you are not happy with that, you are not happy with the other, you are not happy with everything. And how come I'm not happy with all these things when the Bible says I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus? What is happening? Where is the disconnect between this blessing that Jesus came to give me and what I'm experiencing now? I need to close the gap. I need to close the gap because we are, we are the blessed of the Lord. We are highly favored. And yet the people in the world, they seem to live a better life than we are living. I believe that Christianity is not about when we die, when we go to heaven. Christianity has to start now. We need to enjoy life now. We need to see breakthroughs in our everyday life now. We need to be walking in the power of his might now. We need to be enjoying the blessing of God right now. Even the Bible tells us that we have the blessing of Abraham. Yes. And I can tell you that Abraham, he was a guy who was having a good time. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. He was having a good time. He was prosperous. Yes. He was not borrowing. He was lending. He was not walking in, in defeat, in fear. He was walking in victory and he was walking in power. So today I just want to show you one of the, I would call it the major thing that is stopping or frustrating the blessing of God in your life. And you need to pay attention. Amen. Amen. What is this? I'll start with the story behind the story. And I'll use Abraham as an example. We know that Abraham was called by God. He was not looking for God, but God released grace and mercy upon his life and called him. And then he responded and God counted it faith. Amen. He was considered righteous because he believed in God. And then we see that he was given a glorious promise. I'll make you a father of many nations. I'll bless you through you. Nations shall be blessed. What a glorious thing. And meanwhile, his wife was barren. He couldn't have children. And so he was wondering what was going on. And, and, and then somewhere in the story, then they decided that, oh, the wife, Sarah, said, take my maid. Maybe through my maid, we are going to have these children, this generation that is coming on in the name of Jesus. And the story goes on. And then later on, we see that Sarah had a baby, Isaac. And then Isaac came. And now we pick it up from uh, Genesis 21. The scripture says, now Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of the of Hagar, the Egyptian, that's the maid, who she had born to Abraham, mocking Isaac. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bond woman and her son, 
For the son of this bondwoman shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. Now this is kind of shocking because when we look at the story, Sarah is the one who was barren, right? And Sarah is the one who suggested that Abraham take this Egyptian maid so that they can have children. And Ishmael was born. And now Sarah has a baby, son, Isaac. And now Sarah is now saying, get rid of this woman. Does that help? Does that make sense? I'm sure it's, it, it, it sometimes happens even in our everyday life. Eh? The person who has encouraged you to do something and when something went, goes wrong, he starts blaming you. He starts blaming you. But you told me, you said we, were, we are together in this one. How come you are backing off now? Because you're in a better situation. Because things are working well for you now. You now have got your own child and now you don't want this one. It's almost like I need you for as long as I need you. Yeah. When I'm done with you, I want to get rid of you. Yeah. So, I don't know. This is interesting. Yeah. Because what's interesting now is that, verse 11, and the thing was very grievous to Abraham's sight on account of his son Ishmael. It was serious. It was like an evil, according to the Amplified Vision. He was grieved. I mean, it's like, man, you brought me here and now you're dumping me here and you're saying, it's like you, you don't care about my emotions. You don't care about what I'm going through. You don't care about what I'm feeling. Can you please give me a break? But this woman just says, get rid of this one. I don't want to see her here again. What do you do? God said to Abraham, you see, God had intervened. <laughs> Did you know that in all the issues we have in the family, God intervenes. Hallelujah. If only you listen, yeah. God will give you the right solution. He'll give you the right answer. Hallelujah. You are fighting, you are worrying. All you need is to be still and know that God is God. And he will give you the solution in the name of Jesus. Now God said to Abraham, do not let this seem grievous and evil to you because of the youth and your born woman. In all that Sarah has said to you, do what she asks. For in Isaac shall be your posterity. That's your future generation be called. What's happening, Lord? I thought Abraham was the one who was on the receiving end. And now God is supporting Sarah. Have you thought about it? God is supporting Sarah. Instead of rebuking Sarah and saying, Sarah, no, what you're doing is not right. At least you need to be human enough or something or whatever. She's saying, no, 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 no. This is hard on you, but listen to your wife. Can you hear that, you husbands, men? Listen to your wife. <laughs> and all women say? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen to your wife. <laughs> it might be grievous. It might be serious. It might be like an evil. But listen to your wife. Because God can use your wife. Where do we go from here? Because God agrees with Sarah. Now, this is another thing that we need to understand. The difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that 
The old covenant story, the old testament story, is like a stage play. It's like a, 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 a play that is being acted. But you need to understand that behind that play, there is the story. There is the meaning. Now, what we see here in Abraham's family, it is a play, it's a stage play. That's not the reality. The Bible tells us that everything that, that Moses wrote about, he wrote about Jesus. It is about Jesus. It is about the goodness of God. It is about the life of God. So when you open the old covenant, you need to be able to see Jesus. That's why I always encourage people and remind people that, you know, if somebody comes with a beautiful revelation, oh yes, I hear that. Maybe it's coming from the Old, old, old Testament or whatever. I hear that. But at the end of the day, I want to see Jesus. Amen. What are you saying about Jesus? Yeah. Yes, you're saying about Elijah, I hear that. You're saying about Elisha, I see that. You're saying about, you know, about David, I see that. Yes, you're saying about this, you're saying about Moses, you're saying about Caleb, and that's wonderful, and they're giving us encouragement. But what are you saying about Jesus? Amen. Because it's all about Jesus. Amen. We have settled for secondary benefits of the gospel instead of the primary the main benefit of the gospel it is knowing jesus yes. it is knowing jesus Amen. and so by way of background before i explain this because remember scripture interprets scripture Amen. hallelujah Amen. we need to understand what we are learning from this story and for us to, to to understand what we are learning from this story because in fact that passage is interpreted in galatians chapter 4 and i'm going to show you that Galatians chapter 4, I'll read from the Living Translation, New Living Translation. Think of it this way. Paul in Galatians chapter 3, he has been explaining why the law was given. In Galatians chapter 3. And so he, he brought his case, and, and, and I don't want to go into that one, we maybe get sidetracked. But he, after, his, after having told us, no, 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 the law was given to keep us and protect us from the damage of sin until faith came through Jesus Christ. But now that faith has come through Jesus Christ, we no longer need that protection. We no longer need the law. So when he had said that, he now comes in Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, he says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually owe everything their father had. That's the danger of remaining a child. That's the danger of remaining immature. Because for as long as you are a child, you are no different from a slave. That's why spiritual growth is not an option. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's why some of the frustrations and people are facing here. They've been Christians for 20, 30 years, but because they have not matured in understanding the word of God, they still don't handle the blessing, and they think God is, has got something against me. God is holding, withholding this one. How come this one came in church now two years, and now their, their life is prospering? They have matured in the two years, and in your 20 years, you've just been sitting. And you're still a child. And you are just as good as a slave. Then he goes on to say, they have to obey their guardians. 
until they reach whatever age their father set. In other words, you will have to be controlled. You have to be under control. You have to be under guidance. And you know what these guidance are? You, you know it very well. It's your maid. The maid in your house. That's the one who is now... You obey them. Why? Because children, even in our homes, isn't it? We leave them with the one who's taking care of them. And they have to obey. Even though there are owners in the house, but they can't give orders to this maid. Why? Because they are children. They are children. How sad it is that somebody who is supposed to be making tea for you, you are actually making tea for them. <laughs> Hallelujah. They are telling you now it's time to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> they tell you it's time to wake up. You can't do anything. Why? Because you have to obey the orders. Yeah. And verse 3 now says, and that's the way it was with us. Here's the catch word. Before Christ came. Are we together? Amen. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. What does this mean? It simply means, now this is what we're talking about, reading the word of God, being able to understand the word of God. If you don't factor Christ in your reading of the Old Testament, you are under slavery. You need to understand what Jesus Christ came to do because it's talking like we were slaves, we were children before Christ came. But now because Christ has come, we are no longer children, we are no longer slaves. But if you don't know that, you will be agonizing under slavery. It is self-imposed slavery in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are we saying? It's important to understand that Christ made a difference when he came. Now, we jump on from here. Verse 4 to 7 says, But when the right time came, I know the King James Version says, in the fullness of time, yeah. isn't it? When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Jesus came to buy freedom for us because until he came, we were slaves under the law. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father. Now you are no longer slaves, but God's own child. I think the King James Version, it tells us, it, it, it uses the word son instead of child. Because we have graduated from being children, we are now sons, we are now mature. And since then we are children now, we can now become heirs. We can inherit what God has for us. I'm sure we have heard this song. We know this song very much, isn't it? It says, I'm no longer a slave to what? <laughs> See, there's a problem there. If you read in context, we are no longer slaves to what? To the law, not to sin. And people sing that song, beautiful. 
But guess what? It is imprinting in us the wrong message. That's why, present worship team here, we don't just sing songs. Hallelujah. We need to sing the truth. This scripture is not talking about being slaves to sin. It's talking about being slaves to the law. So when you say you're no longer a slave to sin, the devil, the devil is rejoicing. Oh yes, that's fine. Because it's not affecting him. But guess what now? You will now come through the law. Are you getting it? Amen. You are no longer a slave to the law, not to sin. Because sin, the sin is not sin has been taken care of because Jesus took the sin out of, out of the way. But God's children, what are we saying here? What we are saying is before Christ, humanity was in its childhood stage. We were treated like children. That's why we needed the law to guide us. The law was there to guide us and protect us until faith has come. But now, after Jesus has come, we have entered into maturity because we have been made righteous by faith. And because we have entered the age of maturity now, we all believers are adults and we can inherit. We can get the inheritance now. We don't need a guardian because the fullness of time was the coming of Jesus Christ. So that whatever was promised, whatever was in store for us as children, it's now given out. It is for you, it is for me in Jesus' name. Amen. But now comes on, how come we are frustrating the blessing? How come we are not seeing the blessing? How come we are not walking in this, in this glory? Relating with God using this law is slavery. If you think God is blessing you because you have been keeping the law, that's slavery. If you think that God is blessing you because you have been good this week, that's slavery. Somebody will say, ah, but the law is good, the law is righteous. Yes, the law is righteous. The law is given by God. The law, it is God himself. But guess what? Nobody can be made right with God by keeping the law. Galatians 3. From verse 10 to 12. In fact, you'll be under a curse. James 2.10. If you obey everything in the law and you miss out one, you are guilt of everything. So there is no way we can relate with God and be accepted. So the law is not good for you as far as righteousness is concerned. Which is why Jesus... God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Anything that places you under slavery is not good for you. I don't know whether that, that, that connects. The problem is not what I'm saying. The problem is what you are hearing. What some of you are hearing. Some of you, you, you think I'm saying the law is bad. 
No, that's not what I'm saying. The law is good. The law is too good for us to keep it. And so in that sense, it's not good for us. But the law in itself, it is good. It is righteous. It is holy. And it is perfect. But we are not perfect. So trying to go to God via the goodness route is what is frustrating you guys. Because on the days you are good, you think, oh, manna should be flowing from, coming from heaven. Now, what about the days you are not good? Fire should be coming. But you know that sometimes you've got more bad days than good days. So then your life is just fire and you're just wondering, what's going on, Lord? Because we are approaching God the wrong way. Now, let's go back to Abraham's family as we conclude. We go to verse 21. Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 23. Tell me, you who want to live under the law. Hallelujah. Remember, scripture in the prescription. So whatever revelation I have, I need to break it with the word of God. You who want to live under the law, do you not know what the law actually says? What does the law say? The scripture says that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife, that's Ishmael, was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promises. Now you understand why God is saying, kick them out. Because it was a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promises. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promises. Now you're getting now. If you're stuck with, with, with Genesis and you don't come to, to get the revelation, the understanding now, you'll be caught up and you begin to beat your family, begin to do whatever. And no. You need to understand what the actual law says. Ishmael, human effort. God is not involved. Some of you will say, oh, but he was born of Abraham. And Abraham was called of God. So Ishmael is part of God's plan. How come we are saying Ishmael is not of the promise? Isaac was God's plan because Isaac was born without human effort. Remember, Sarah was barren. And there's no human effort that can make somebody who is barren to become fertile. That's why it was God. I'll explain why as we go along. Verse 24. Now here is the break point. These two women, Haggai and Sarah, save an illustration of God's two covenants. So what was happening in Abraham's family was actually two covenants that were at work. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. You getting it? The law was given to enslave people. Some people don't know why the law was given. Some people believe that the law was given so that we keep it. No. The law was given to enslave us, to make us realize that we need a savior. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And now Jerusalem is 
just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. These are the modern Jews, modern day Jews who don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. They are still under the law. They are still in slavery. Then verse 26, but the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. Amen. Amen. She is our mother. So what are we saying? Hagar, the slave wife, is old covenant. Sarah, the free wife, is the new covenant of grace. Scripture interpreting scripture. Verse 28-29. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. That is powerful. That is powerful. That is powerful. Because you are of promise. Because you are like Isaac. You were blessed to inherit a blessing. Not a curse. You were blessed to inherit a blessing. Now, you know that Isaac was being victimized by Ishmael. That's why the message of grace right now is being victimized by people who are religious. Just talking grace, they say, what? Remember Ishmael and Isaac. So don't be surprised. Because those who are religious now, they want to stay under the law. Ishmael is the law because Ishmael, Haggai, like Mount Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given. So we are not talking about ceremonial laws here. We are talking about the law of Moses, including the Ten Commandments. Now, it's important to understand because this Ishmael Isaac message has been used, uh, in my view, as a social gospel. Because they tell you that if you are supposed to be living in Cape Town and you choose to come to live in Johannesburg, then Johannesburg is an Ishmael. Was well, the wrong decision, isn't it? And we have Christians that are busy trying to make sure they don't give birth to an Ishmael in their decision making. That is true, but that's secondary. The primary thing is that Ishmael is the law. It's not about your decisions, it's about covenant. If you don't want an Ishmael, get out of the old covenant. Because as long as you are in the old covenant, what you think is an Isaac is still an Ishmael because you're still under the old covenant and the law will enslave you. Amen. This is how it looks like. Haggai and Sarah. Haggai, slavery. Sarah, freedom. Haggai, Mount Sinai, the law was given. Sarah, Jerusalem from above, that's grace. Haggai's son, Ishmael, human effort. Sarah's son, Isaac, promise. Now here is the kicker. 
In Genesis 21, that's where we understand that Sarah was saying, get rid of this guy. But in Genesis 16, that's when Ishmael was born. Now, between and, 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 and Genesis uh, 19, 18, that's when Isaac was promised, and then Isaac came. So there's something that happened between Genesis 16 and Genesis 18, and that is Genesis 17. What happened in Genesis 17? What happened in Genesis 17, that's when God renewed his covenant with Abraham. And God began to tell Abraham that your name shall no longer be Abraham, but he's going to be Abraham, the father of many. So when Ishmael was born, Abraham was still Abraham. He was not yet the father of many. So he was in a sense still moving in some form of fleshly life because he was still Abram, not Abraham. It was in Genesis 17 after Isaac, after Ishmael had come, that God said, you are no longer Abraham, you are now going to be Abraham because you are going to be a father of many. And Sarai is no longer going to be Sarai, but she's going to be Sarah because she's going to be a mother of many. She's going to be a prince. So there's something that happened here. So whilst Ishmael is the son of Abraham, Isaac is the son of Abraham, and there's a world of difference in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So what are we saying? There are some decisions that you have made when you were Abraham. But now you are Abraham. Hallelujah. Amen. And maybe before today you were living like Abraham. But after this message, you are now Abraham. Hallelujah. And God is saying, move away from this one. Move away from human, human effort. Move away from the decisions that you have made. Why? Because that will enslave you. But you need to be working on the promises of God. You need to be working in the freedom, which is the grace of God, in the name of Jesus. So, what are we saying in conclusion? Don't frustrate your blessing. Because in Galatians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, but... What do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and their husband and their son. For the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance of the woman's son. Exactly the words that Sarah said. Sarah was speaking scripture. Yes. Sarah was being prophetic. She probably didn't know it. Exactly. Guess what are we saying? Get rid. The King James Version says, cast out. Cast away. Cast away the slave woman and her son. For the son shall of the slave woman will not inherit, have an inheritance with the free woman's son. So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman in Jesus' name. What are we saying? We are saying something very interesting here because we are saying get rid of the old covenant way of thinking. That is what is frustrating your blessing. Because just as the scriptures say, your Isaac cannot grow in the same house with Ishmael. 
Old covenant and the new covenant cannot stay together and produce something. The only thing that comes out of it is strife, is fighting, is contention, is disagreement, and there's no progress. Amen. And what is frustrating, many of you here, is you are trying to get your promise, but you are using Old, old Testament methods. And that's why it's not working. Because the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. Stop thinking and stop talking and stop measuring your worthiness on your goodness. You are loved of God, not because of what you do or because of what you don't do. You are loved of God because of Jesus. Because you've put your faith in Jesus and that's the only reason God loves you. That's the only reason God blesses you. And that's the only reason God is for you and is not against you. It's not about what we do, friends. The minute we start looking about what we do, we are bringing in Ishmael into our lives again. And do you know that Ishmael is about 14 years older than Isaac? So Isaac is small, and Ishmael will begin to harass that boy, will begin to bully that promise, will begin to... That's why now you have got a dream, but you hear this thought says, you don't deserve it. That's an Ishmael. Say, but we know, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then Ishmael says, but you don't have the education. Who do you think you are? Nobody from your family has ever done what you're thinking. Who do you think you are? And the devil, Ishmael also even said, even in your village, there's nobody. You should thank God for where you are. And now you have Christians that just say, oh, Lord, I thank you that at least I'm here. Ah. <laughs> Ishmael, you are under slavery. Amen. You need to come out. Amen. 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 You don't thank God that you, at least you are here. You need to thank God for the open heaven that God has given you. You need to thank God for the promises that God has given you. You need to thank God that in Jesus Christ I can do all things because Amen. he strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror. Amen. Ishmael will make you settle for the bottom line. Mm. Nobody just say, at least I'm surviving. No. <laughs> All the animals in the, in the, in the, in the, in the zoos, they, they are surviving. But, but, but they are caged. Hallelujah. You are not a cage, you are a slave. You are enslaved. You need to realize that Jesus came to pay for your freedom. Jesus came to pay for your liberty so that your thoughts will become a reality. Your dreams will become true. And how do you do that? By looking to Jesus and not looking to the law. In Jesus' name. Don't frustrate your blessing. Don't frustrate your blessing. Now here's the big one. Like Abraham to Ishmael, some religious people hate to leave the law. I thank God you are here so I can, I can talk about it because you are here. But you know some people, week after week, they are subjected to the law. But they just say, well, this is my church. They keep going, this is my church. 
Why? They are like Abraham. Because it's grievous to leave Ishmael. They are so used to Ishmael. And remember, Ishmael was the firstborn to Abraham. After 80-something years of not having a child. So he, he valued him. He holds you to him so dearly. You know, it's like, this is my first. And then God says, let go. And some of you, you need to let go. Amen. You're holding on to some things. You say, well, this is my first, you know. From the time I, I know God, this is my first. This is my first. This is my first. But if it's an Ishmael, you need to let go. Amen. Because your Isaac will never grow up. Your promise will not become a reality in the name of Jesus. They hate it. So what are we saying? Move away. Not move away. Cast out Ishmael. Cast out Old Testament thinking. And this is my closing remarks. It's important to know that covenants don't mix. Ishmael and Isaac cannot grow in the same house. It doesn't matter how much you feed Isaac to outgrow Ishmael, but Ishmael is 14 years older than Isaac, so Ishmael will always be older than Isaac. The only way for Isaac to grow and to enjoy freedom is to get rid of Ishmael. It might be painful, but if you want your promises, to become reality, you need to do that in Jesus' name. Covenants don't mix. Why do we say that? Paul tells us again, Romans chapter 11, verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. It's either you are working to be saved or you receive it as a gift. You can't be working and receiving it as a gift at the same time. Because if you work, then it's work. Amen. Amen. Covenants don't mix. This is how Jesus put it. You cannot put new wine into old wine skin. New wine is the grace message. Wine skin is your mentality, the way we think. If we still have got Old Testament thinking, even if you get this new wine, guess what? The wine and the skin will be both destroyed. And you are frustrated and you're wondering what is going on in Jesus' name. Mixing covenants is the major cause of frustration and burnout. Christians have been serving the Lord faithful in church, sacrificing everything, and now they are at home. They don't want to go to church because they think serving God doesn't help. Do you know what the problem was? The problem was they thought God was going to bless them because they were serving. Remember, we talked about it. Yes, you reap what you sow, but you also reap what you did not sow. What you did not sow, you reap it not by working, but by believing. So they are convinced that, you know, this church thing, they just take your money. This church thing, they take your time, they take everything, and you get nothing. So they are burned out. Why? They are frustrated. Why? Because they've been mixing grace and works. Covenants don't mix. What it simply means is, you have been here this morning, praise God. Amen. Then you say, ah, well, ah, uh, there's an evening service at this church, so I need to go there. 
Here you have been receiving grace. And then in the evening, guess what? You are now back to works. And you are mixing things and you wonder why things are not happening in your life. Because covenants don't mix. It doesn't matter who comes and tries to say otherwise. And I see it on TV. You, you watch some of his uh, uh, gospel channels, eh? There's a lot of mixing that is going on there. But you need to be careful now because you don't want, you're trying to kick Ishmael out of your home. You don't want somebody who's bringing another Ishmael through the back door. No. You will be frustrating your blessing in Jesus' name. Here's another good one. Romans chapter 4 verse 14. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. Getting your promise by obeying the law makes faith useless. Trying to keep the law frustrates your faith. But without faith, it's not possible to please God. So what are you doing? You are back in the Ishmael camp and things are not working. Any effort to try and obey the law, it will cancel faith. It will cancel faith in Jesus' name. So what are we saying? As we finish now, we're going to pray. Galatians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I'm not going to preach. All I ask you is say, look, how did Abraham encourage his blessing in his life? He cast away Hagar and Ishmael. And how do you encourage the blessing in your life today? If you are receiving the, the blessing of Abraham, you might as well do what Abraham did for his blessing to become material, for his blessing to become alive. What did he have to do? He had to kick out Ishmael. Now, if you want the same blessing from this guy, you need to do what he did. Amen. You need to kick out the old covenant mentality in Jesus' name. The law frustrates your blessing. We're going to pray as we close right now. I'm here to speak life. I'm here to activate the power of God in your life, the grace of God in your life. Because the blessing that is upon your life has got to become physical. The promise God has given you has got to become physical. It may be a small promise right now. Maybe it, for students, it, it may be just, you know, you just want to pass this year and get on to the next grade. Or you want to move from this business to another business. Or you want to do this, whatever it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. But the blessing can be frustrated when we keep Ishmael in our lives. As a church, we don't keep Ishmael here. Amen. If you bring your Ishmael, he will not walk in here. You'll stay there. You'll wait for you out there. And if you want him, when you step out, then he just gets back onto your, onto your shoulders and, and you go. 
But I pray that you'll be so fired up when you meet Ishmael, they say, oh, sorry. I'm after my father Abraham. He kicked you out of his life, so I'm kicking you out of my life in the name of Jesus. I am a child of promise. I am of Isaac in Jesus' name. I am of the new covenant. I am walking in the grace of God, for it is by grace through faith and not of works in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you this afternoon. We thank you, Father, that it's not by might, it's not by power. We thank you, Lord, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Thank you, Father, that in Christ Jesus we have everything that we need. For his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us. Even as you have called us your virtue, my God, I thank you this morning that, Lord, your word has set us free. I thank you, my God, that we are of Isaac and not of Ishmael. Not that there's anything wrong with Ishmael. He's, he's blessed. Hallelujah. But the posterity, the future of the generations is in Isaac. And we are of Isaac. We are like Isaac. And I pray, help us, Lord, as a church, that, Lord, we be a people that stay within the covenant of grace. We be a people that remain connected to Isaac, that we be a people that believe you, Lord, for what you have said. Not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. And I just speak a release of life upon each one of us here. I speak a blessing individually. I speak a blessing families. I speak a blessing on marriages. I speak a blessing on businesses. I speak a blessing on ministries in the name of Jesus. The work of our hands is blessed of the Lord. And we come against the frustration, the thoughts, old covenant thinking performance, work related, we cancel that in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that as we go on, Lord, we will truly walk in the power of your might. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening. Hallelujah.